Hey everybody and welcome to another show of Turn It Up and as always it is packed to the brim with some of the very best music around. Some new music, some music that's around a while and some really tasty interviews as well and no different this week. Anyway, let's tell you who we've got on the show. We have music from Anthony Gomes, from Lansdowne, The Cold Stairs, Shamika Copeland, Walter Throut, Thorborn Riesiger and The Black Tornado, Near Dust, Iron Saviour, Bone Shakers, Jack J. Hutchison and Jack J. Hutchison is the guest on this week's Torn Up interview and uh, you'll hear all about that later on. Also music from Mickey Jupp and uh, the fans' favourite this week is from Louise Rossi from London, UK and she has picked tracks from Joe Bonamassa, Dory Honey and ACDC. <laughs> then we also have music from The Raids, Vandenberg, Alice Cooper and more ACDC this time. Well, we'll tell you about it when we get closer. It's a, it's a thing about trains, let's just say. Leslie West and Mountain, The Blues Bones, Arthur Mendes, Gronya Duffy, Johnny Gallagher, Davy K Project, Clara Rose, Don Martin, Villiers and the Villains, Crow Black Chicken, Band of Friends. And those that you've heard there, as you may have guessed, they're all appearing and playing at this year's Harvest Blues Festival in Monaghan Town. So if you're in the vicinity, do not miss this fantastic festival. It's been absent for two years, but it's back with a bang. And as I say, music on the show from Arthur Mendes, Gronya Duffy, Johnny Gatter, Davy Gibb, Davy K Project, Clara Rose, Don Martin, Villiers and the Villains, Crow Black Chicken and Band of Friends. And that's the special selection of songs on this week's show that are going to be entertaining you at this year's Harvest Blues Festival. Then we have the producer's pick, as of course picked by our producer Graham Hillian, and he has picked tracks from Chimara and um, Antisect. Uh, and you're certainly going to enjoy those. Then we have music from Ronan Gallagher, Brian Reynolds, Joe Harbin, and those three are also appearing at the Harvest Blues Festival. Then where would we be without some music now and again from Rory Gallagher and Christone Kingfish Ingram, Hogjaw, Stephen Stills, The Jokers, and Rob Strong. But we're going to get the show off to a great start with... A rouse and rock and roll, high voltage rock and roll track from Anthony Gomes. And this is Anthony on his Painted Horse. Get my 
things Ride the deck of your hurricane Tip my hat when I pass you by Excuse me, Mama, That's uh, that's certainly a prime slice of high voltage rock and roll. That's Anthony Gomes and Painted Horse. Now, next up, we have Lansdowne, and this is brand new from them, and this one's called Medicine. I want to feel you get dangerously close to me. Think I could heal you. If you let me inside Because it's one step up, two steps back Careful what you say or they'll bury you But if we all step up and then push back Maybe we could use a little medicine We're not gonna be nice to you Don't give a damn about your point of view So tired of all the fucking hate you spew Shopping that teeth on all the dead 
Yep, that's certainly powerful stuff from Lansdowne. And that's their brand new single out now. And that one was called Medicine. Now, here's somebody else. I really like these guys. This is the Cold Stairs. This is their brand new single. And this one's called Nothing But The Blues. You know, for two guys, these guys can make some noise. I, I just love them. And, uh, 
you know, I, every chance I get, I play them on the show, show. And that's their brand new single called Nothing But The Blues from the incredible The Cold Stairs. Now, here's somebody else pretty incredible. This is Shamika Copeland. And this is a track from her Don't Come Too Far album, brand new out. And this one's called Pink Turns To Red.
Yeah, you know, Shamika's one of those artists that she, she just has incredible talent and she, with the lyrics and, uh, you know, in her song, she paints a very vivid picture. And I just love playing her on the show. She's just incredible. One of the, the most talented female vocalists and songwriters on the planet, without a doubt. Now, here's somebody else not too shabby himself. This is Walter Trout, and this is a track from his brand new album called Raid, and this one's called Hey Is Low.
Yeah, you know, Walter, I think Walter's middle name is consistent. You know, he just delivers, you know, album after album, year after year. He just never varies. And that's another example. That's Walter Trout and High is Low, taken from his new album called Ride. Now, here's somebody else, too. I really love these guys. This is Thorborn Riesiger and the Black Tornado. And uh, this is brand new from them. This is a single, and this one's called Fire Inside.
Yeah, these guys are very exciting live. I tell you something, they know how to rock the joint. And that's brand new from them. That's called Fire Inside from Thorborn Riesiger and the Black Tornado. Now, here's more rousing music. This is Near Dusk and Spiff em All. <laughs>
yeah, I enjoyed that. That's uh, certainly, um, you know, lots of energy in that. That's for sure. That's near dusk and spiff them all. That's their brand new single. Now, next up, we're going to crank it up a bit more. This is Iron Saviour. And this is a track from the forthcoming album called Reforged Ironbound Volume 2. This track's called Wasteland. <laughs>
Yeah, a bit of the touch of the Iron Maiden there, isn't it? That's Iron Saviour and Wasteland. I say that's a track taken from the forthcoming album called Reforged Iron Bound Volume 2. Now, here's someone I don't think I've played on the show before. This is Bone Shakers, and this is their version of Let's Spend the Night Together. Oh, no. 
yeah i have to say i really enjoyed that that's bone shakers and let's spend the night together and that's brand new now as a single now we're almost up at the torn up interview time in fact we are and this week our guest is jack J. Hutchison and Jack well he just likes to play really powerful high voltage rock and roll and uh, we don't disagree with that now before we get to the interview uh, well this is the, actually the title track of his latest album this is Jack J. Hutchison and The Hammer Falls
Yeah, some some powerful stuff there. And, uh, you know, there's heavy influences, you know, of ACDC and Iron Maiden. And, you know, he's just on fire, this man. And, uh, you know, you'll hear an interview, he tells the story how it all began. And, you know, how this thunderous rock and roll is ringing out all over the world. So without further ado, here is the torn up interview with the one and only Jack J. Hutchison. Hey everybody and welcome to another torn up interview and as always we really are so appreciative of the time that's taken out by these amazing artists to speak with us here. Now this is a man I've played on the show many many times in the past. He's a rocker, he's a roller as Bond would say, he's a right out controller and he has a new album out, The Hammer Falls. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's a killer album. But we have the man himself here to talk. Will you please give a big big welcome Welcome to the one and only Jack J. Hutchison. How are you, Jack? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, as I say, look, it's, um, it's, uh, it's really good to be talking to you. It's good to be doing this for the show. And I say in recent times, you know, the show's been doing pretty well. We want to maybe push it another bit, but that's for another day's talk. Tell me, Jack. How did you become involved in music? Was was the family, was your was your parents, brothers, sisters were they involved in music or when did you first pick up that guitar? I guess I was probably maybe 11 years old when I first played the guitar. And actually when I, I first got given a guitar, um, I didn't really get into it. I, it was a thing that I, I think my parents really sent me to guitar lessons on a on a Monday evening to keep me out of trouble and um, I, I would much rather at that point have been out playing football with my mates and sort of roaming the countryside around where I lived and getting up to no good but um, I, I went to guitar lessons for probably about 12 months and learned a lot of sort of classical guitar so not really the stuff that I then became uh, you know obsessed with and it was only when I sort of plucked up the courage and told my mum I didn't want to go to guitar lessons anymore that we were in uh, this situation where I, I sort of uh, I think a lot of teenagers are like this actually where if they're told to do something they want to do the opposite so when I actually stopped going to guitar lessons and was given uh, the opportunity to do it off my own back that's when I became really interested in it and um, it was discovering really I guess Led Zeppelin that, that changed it all for me and I, I kind of got into Led Zeppelin initially through John Squire, who was the guitarist in the Stone Roses. And um, I grew up in a town called Burnley, and the Stone Roses were a big band at that time, around where we lived. And um, and so I read an interview with, with John Squire where he was talking about his influences, a bit like what we're doing here. And he talked basically about how he, he discovered um, Jimmy Page, and Jimmy Page had been this big influence on him. Name-checked a load of Led Zeppelin records, and then I just went out and bought the, the albums. And um, really, it was hearing stuff like Heartbreaker and Since I've Been Loving You and, you know, these incredible tracks that had their roots in the blues that um, it, it started this whole journey of discovery, which was about tracing the, the sort of historic narrative that led to Led Zeppelin. And um, so the root was, was Jimmy Page, but it opened many doors to lots of different artists. So, and, and that was the the kind of instigator for me being really interested in guitar music. And, I, and that's what I did, really. I was obsessed with um, blues rock from the age of about 12, and I still am obsessed with it. So it's been a, a, a sort of a long period. But, um, yeah, it, it, 
I began young, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, initially something that I wanted to do. I just wanted to be out outside playing football and, uh, you know, putting fireworks in dog bins and all that sort of stuff that you're not really meant to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose, look, you know, um, everyone gets influences from somewhere. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, yours was the likes of Zeppelin. And it's interesting you talk about them because, like, they really were groundbreaking because before that, the blues was played in kind of a traditional enough blues format. But they took it and they amped it up and they changed it a bit and, and things were never the same when they came along. Like they, they, really, they really did change things in a big, big way, as did the likes of Jimi Hendrix and you know, people of those ilk that... You know, Jimi Hendrix is a blues artist, but at the same time, you know, when you listen to Purple Haze or Voodoo Child, it's something really special. It's it's not just a blues song, it's something more. Yeah, I mean a lot of the blues artists that I've, you know, spent years listening to, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, uh, Elmore James, those guys, and I find that music really intoxicating in a certain way. But what I really liked about Zeppelin was the kind of yeah, I suppose the psychedelic element that was brought into it. So, you know, when I first started watching videos of Jimmy Page, and um, it was, I, I seem to remember watching this really old footage of him, um, you know, pre-song remains the same. This was like a really early kind of Danish TV performance where he was doing Dazed and Confused, and he had this, uh, he had the violin bow. And I couldn't, I was trying to make sense of this, like what, how, how does this work? What, how's he getting this effect? And um, I got my dad to take me to a, a classical music shop in Burnley and I, he bought me a violin bow and I remember for a short while when I was a teenager in bands I was using the violin bow at various points in the set and this is sort of the late 90s where it, it, Led Zeppelin were not a cool band to listen to back then everybody was listening to bands like Blur and Oasis and it, it was not Zeppelin and classic rock were not really the kind of in thing um, but yeah it was something there's something about Zeppelin which took the blues into a different place. And obviously then through Zeppelin, I discovered a lot of other incredible bands from the 70s. The Almond Brothers Band were a big band for me. And I'm still trying to still trying to develop my slide play. And it's something I've, I've never been able to master. But, um, you know, Almond Brothers, Free, uh, The Faces were a big band for me as well when I was growing up. I really loved those. And actually Rod Stewart was a big influence on me when I was starting to sing. And it was through Rod Stewart that led me to bands like the Black Crows because I read an interview where they were they were being compared to Rod Stewart, and um, the Black Crows became a big influence for me because they were kind of a current band at that point who were producing new music that sounded like it was made in 1972. Um, so yeah, there's a big influence on that on a lot of my songwriting actually. Really, when I first started to write songs, it was Chris and Rich Robinson that influenced my songwriting massively. So I think that's part of the joy of music, isn't it? It's this big journey that we all go on and we're constantly discovering new things that are of interest to us. Oh, I think so. And I think you know, we pull influences from all ears. Like, I, I would say, yeah, you're right. The next is happening. Probably there was a period, you know, mid-60s, mid-70s, up to the 80s, there was some fantastic music. But I also have to say... 
doing this radio show and getting the amount of music I do get, the amount of fantastic music being produced now by current artists is just amazing. And in fact, I'd actually go further and say, at this point in time, we're in a golden age of music. There's some amazing stuff being produced that stands up to the best anywhere. And, and that's brilliant to have that because it's the lifeblood of the business if there's still people out there recording and producing stuff. It really is. It's very encouraging. Well, I think one of the really joyous parts of what was a really tricky period with um, COVID and lockdown and everything was that suddenly people started thinking differently about how they could be creative. And it was less tied to booking studio time, going into studios and doing a block of two weeks and coming away with your album. And suddenly people did a lot a lot of things that were very similar to what I did, which was actually I bought bought some um, sound recording gear, set up a home studio and started actually doing a lot of songwriting and churning out music from home. So that kind of DIY element was actually really fascinating for me. And this onslaught of new material that came out during uh, the lockdown period, so 2020 and 2021, there was so much great music coming out that was not tied to the kind of usual route of route of control, actually, which is kind of, you know, uh, labels and, and the press kind of telling you what you should be listening to. It kind of all went out the window because nobody was, none of the labels were, were really putting stuff out in, in quite the same capacity. Um, so you're totally right. There's so much music coming out at the moment. Obviously, the, there's some of that which is, um, you know, no doubt terrible, <laughs> but that's always been the case. There's always been bad music made, but it, it, I think there's a lot of great music, and uh, I think that's quite an exciting thing to be part of, really. I think it is, and you know, Jack, it's not even of one genre. All all the genres, there's, there's great stuff coming out, uh, and yeah, there may be some stuff that's a wee bit dodgy, but I'll tell you one thing. From what I'm hearing and the stuff that I get, I'm constantly amazed because for me as a presenter, you know, I'm not just a presenter, I'm somebody that absolutely loves music. So when I get new music from you or from anyone else, it's like a child getting a present at Christmas and not knowing what it is to rip the wrapping off and then play it. Uh, and and that's why I have the best job in the world, to get the chance to listen to stuff like that. And there's nothing better than hearing a piece of music you've never heard before, and you get the goosebumps when you hear and say, whoa, that's good stuff there, and then you play it again and again. For me, if I really like something, I might play the same track 20 times because I want to hear it again. It's like a child saying, I want to hear it again, I want to hear it again, and you know you have hit the spot. If you get someone to listen to it again on repeat, uh, and and that's happened to me so many times where the, the music's fantastic. So I suppose the downside is that in comparison to years ago, there's not the same money to be made out of album sales and, and things like that. But I still think that if you look at the number of streams, like, like songs that maybe stream tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of streams, there's still an awful lot of people listening to music out there. And because of that, there's an awful lot of potential fans waiting to see whoever the artist may be when they play in their area. So I think the swings and roundabouts, I don't know how you feel about it, but this accessibility has increased many times by the fact that you can listen to something fairly freely. You do get, you get a spread of your awareness to a much bigger audience, I think. One interesting thing happened to me a few years ago when I went 
to Brazil and did a tour over there. And what was interesting was that I was getting people to come into the shows who knew my songs. And I just thought, this is, this is crazy. I'm thousands of miles away from home. And how do these people know songs from my records? Yeah. And of course, they, they heard it through Spotify. Yep. And I, I understand, I totally get this kind of um, criticism of Spotify in terms of how much they pay artists, because it is pitiful. Yes. But actually, if you take it as a as a tool to promote yourself so it's not it's never going to be something that pays you loads of money yes but then it it potentially brings you new fans in in particularly my case in different countries which has always been a goal of mine which was to tour internationally you know i've been to some incredible places touring the czech republic was a, a fantastic place to go and tour and again people knew my songs and they would never have have known those songs had it not been for uh, Spotify or various other streaming platforms, or Apple Music, whatever you want to pick any of them. Um, so for me, I, I think it is a connecting tool and a networking tool. It's actually been really useful. Um, and of course, it would be great if they uh, they paid me for the thousands of streams I've had for my album, The Hammer Falls, uh, properly. But you know what, it means that more people have come to the shows and it means people have bought the vinyl and the CD. So I think there's um, there's counter-arguments and you can look at it in lots of different ways. And I quite I do think that it's fascinating. And actually, we're, we're really, you know, we're really only in the early days of this. this. These platforms, we're still trying to work it out. And so this is, I'm not trying to defend Spotify because, as I say, I don't think they pay particularly well at all. But actually, the way I... I've sort of taken it is that this has allowed me to reach new people in uh, you know places like Brazil, which has been fantastic. I think you see you're absolutely right, Jack. You can you can have a valid point of view that that they don't pay enough, and and that's true. We're not disagree with that, but I think in life you kind of have to adopt, take the positive angle out of everything and the positive angle is that you look upon spotify as your pr machine something that gets you out to places in the world that you just ordinarily wouldn't have and and that's the way you look at it. i know other people will disagree with that statement and say you know you, you shouldn't use spotify but i think at the end of the day there's many many artists there that really wouldn't have been known as well as they are if it wasn't for the fact there was an accessible and affordable way to do it and it is, it won't change. Like, we're in a society where you have Netflix, you have Disney Plus, whatever it is. That, that's life. And people want it. People want to be able to listen to their favourite song or they want to be able to watch their favourite movie with a press of a button. We just live, we're not going back from that. It's just, it's never going to change. So the best thing you can do is embrace it and make the most of it. And I think you're, you're absolutely right in doing that because then it, it's, it's enhancing your career in other ways where you go to a gig and there's more people there because of that. Because I have seen bands come to Dublin that had never played here before and sell out venues. And the reason being, and the same people singing along to their songs, the reason being they already had listened to them. So like, I think, yes, I, I'd be the first to say, yeah, they should be paying more and I would like to see them do that. But nevertheless, they are a great tool for, for getting your message out and, and getting as many people as possible to be aware of what you're doing. So that, that, that's how I see it. Do you know what, man, as well, like, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when I started bands, I guess it was about 98, 99. 
so just pre-internet yeah so I, you know my first band when i was living in burnley um i remember like traveling traveling to manchester on the bus with a load of flyers and fly posting yes and, and that was how we were trying to get our, our name yeah no, because we knew that that's what the stone roses had done 10 years prior and we, we i remember we, we had a bus down to london and we traced around London going to loads of different record labels and giving them, you know, these CDRs, the first copies of our first EP. And it was all f- traipsing around as a bunch of 15-year-olds trying to make it that way. Whereas now, it's just a click of a button and people can uh, can connect with you in that way. So, yeah, it's a different world. And I, f- I actually feel quite fortunate that I was part of that um, sort of non-digital realm for a bit. Uh, the first recordings I did were actually on tape, so it shows how how long ago it was. But um, I think it, I think we're in a quite cool uh, situation now that people maybe will look back favourably. And I think you know, as we've said numerous times in this interview, the amount of music that um, is coming out. I listen to a lot of music, man. I, I don't necessarily just listen to blues rock. I listen to a lot of kind of electronica, pop stuff. Pop stuff's great in terms of um, melodies. Like some of the best rock bands that I'm into, they're great because they have good pop melodies over heavy guitars. So um, I think that's a positive that you can open so many different doors now. I think so too. And like even say... I can say to a band, say if you have a new album coming out, instead of having to post me the album and the cost of it, you can just send me a download. And that costs next to nothing, and you get it instantly. So there could be a band in the States that I've heard somewhere, I can give them a, a message and say, you know, send me that. And, and you'll get it almost instantly at minimum cost, because they, that was another thing too, that, you know, if you're doing, as you say, you had to hawk the stuff around, you had not all cost money or posting stuff out to people whereas now i can say to you right but will you forward me on the new single you'll press a button and i'll have it five seconds later so there is that there is that part to it
tell me something. Um, why, you, you're a solo artist. Were you were you ever a part of a group, or was it solo from day one, Jack? I was in bands really for many years, and the reason I ended up being a solo artist, which I guess was uh, maybe six years ago now that I put out my first record. Um, you know, I was in bands for loads, uh, for a lot of my um, you know early twenties, right through my twenties. And I tell you one thing that kept happening in every band that I was in, because I was never the singer; I was just the guitarist. I was at the time in my kind of um, strong-willed, arrogant uh, self, proclaimed to be the lead guitarist. Um, there's the singers wouldn't show up for gigs, <laughs> so it's like the amount of flaky singers I had in rock bands, where they all thought they were, you know. I don't know what they thought, actually. Maybe they thought they were in Motley Crue or something, but we, we were just playing, like, you know, little bars around Manchester. You know, when you're playing um, a bar to 20, in a bar to 20 people in, like, Rosendale, um, you, you ain't Motley Crue. So it's like, you know, these singers, um, just quite a few of them would be kind of preoccupied with pulling women or whatever, some of them taking too many drugs or whatever it might be. And then I would end up standing in for them at gigs because we didn't want to. I was never somebody who wanted to cancel gigs. That was something that was just like sacrilegious, actually. Shows for um, the reason I ended up being a singer was that I got kind of forced into that position by other people, not really sort of holding up their end of the bargain in terms of shows. And then actually, I just got to the point where I was like, well, why don't I just cut out? this element of these bands and I'll just be the singer. I didn't really want to be the singer. I wanted to just play guitar. I wanted to be Keith Richards, basically. I just wanted to be this guy that looked cool on the side of the stage. But um, even Keith sings a few songs at Stones gigs. But I think it's like uh, it evolved from there. And I had so much fun with those bands, though, actually. And there is a difference with running your own solo project and you're the singer, you're the songwriter, you're doing all of the, the press or whatever. There's more... I guess there's kind of more pressure on it. I, I do really enjoy it, but actually when I was in my 20s and I was just playing a lot of shows where I was completely hammered and falling off tables playing guitar solos, I've got some fond memories of those gigs. But um, obviously it evolved into me being a solo artist in the end. <laughs> I know.
And tell me something, the new album, The Hammer Falls, you know, do you want to tell me a bit about the background to that or how it come together or even the title of the album, how did that come? Yeah, how did the title come about? I, I think that the title came about because um, I wrote the record. So 2020 started and I just released a record called um, Who Feeds the Wolf and we'd got like 12 months of touring all, all scheduled in and I was supposed to be going back to Brazil on tour. I was supposed to be going to America like all over the place, Australia, and it all got pulled because um, obviously COVID hit. And so I suddenly was left with loads of spare time. And I wrote the whole album pretty much in about six weeks, maybe at the start of COVID, because I was just in my flat, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. Um, but whilst I was writing the album, I got obsessed with this series Vikings. <laughs> so the Hammer Falls title was kind of tied in to um, a very brief moment where I was obsessed with Vikings and the history of Vikings. Um, so it seemed like a, a sort of title that fit with that. And then the original album cover was supposedly going to have all these Viking symbols on it, but uh, thankfully we kind of um, changed that and went for something a little bit more uh, Hammer Horror, actually. That was the kind of idea with the album cover. But, yeah, I think it was, um, for me, a really, a really interesting period where I got to focus on songwriting in a way I'd never been able to do before because I would always be writing songs really uh, in a rush because you'd be traveling around doing gigs and I wrote a lot of songs for Who Feeds the Wolf whilst I was on tour you know coming up with ideas in sound checks or hotel rooms and there's something kind of romantic about that that makes you sound like a sort of um traveling troubadour and you're you're like you're in the alma brothers in the 70s or whatever but actually it, it it ain't conducive to making a coherent record so i think my previous albums were i, I think they're great records but perhaps they didn't thematically hold together in the same way the new album does and i think that the hammer falls has got some really good stuff that um sounds like a more Sounds like a progression for me. I, th I think there's a lot of styles and, and things that are in there, but I think it holds together as a cohesive whole. And um, I think that's pretty cool. It is. I'm like, okay, in the main, you want know, to be listening to the album, it's, it's drive and rock and roll, but there is, uh, there is some very atmospheric songs there too that are definitely a lot different, but still there's a great style, a great quality to them. So... I think it's fair enough to say it. It, it is. It is a, a a high voltage rock and roll album. That, that's what it is. But it's not totally that. There is other styles within that, which I think is good because if you look at the likes of Queen and you, know, I don't know why I think Queen, but you know they had a song called "The Hammer Falls," whatever. So um, they could play some of the rockiest tunes you'd ever hear, and then they could do something like "Somebody to Love" or or, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. I know it cranks it up towards the end, but uh, I think it's nice to have that bit of diversity as well because then it lets the fans see, you know, what you're capable of too. So I think that's good. I think I've always prided myself on being a songwriter above everything else. And, you know, I have written a lot of songs, man. I've been writing music for 20 years and there's, you know, a lot of unreleased stuff that, Probably actually a lot of it, there's a reason why it's unreleased, actually. I was about to kind of blow my own trumpet there, but most of it's probably rubbish. That's why it was never released. But I think that there's um, there's a lot of... Str 
strength in the songwriting with this record. And I, I think, you know, I've played in a lot of different bands, like some straight up blues bands and, you know, playing 12 bar blues shuffles for three hours a night. And there's an element of me that kind of misses doing that. But then I think you've always got to push yourself as an artist. Like my, my biggest musical hero really over the years has been Neil Young. And one of the things that I've loved about Neil Young is that kind of flipping between crazy horse, heavy rock, and then doing stuff that's really soft and Americana, and then doing stuff with vocoders or whatever. And you kind of end up with these kind of electronic noises on records. So you're not limited in, in what you can do, and it's always an exploration. And that goes back to what I was saying about, going, you know, when I first got into Led Zeppelin, and that exciting moment of discovering all these artists and going, oh, do you know, that's where they got the riff, the riff a whole lot of love from. And it all kind of hanging together. And you see this kind of spider's web of influences. And I think that, you know, uh, I've always liked to make albums that don't necessarily sound like the previous ones. Obviously, the, there's bits of it that sound similar, but I was really pleased that I went down a, a sort of hard rock route with this record and pulled out some of the songs that I wrote for the record that didn't fit with it. And so I was listening to a lot of um, ACDC, actually, in, in lockdown. I was really kind of revisiting all the Bon Scott stuff. And so I think there's elements of that in it. Um, and, you know, hopefully, I think the reaction since it's come out has been, been really interesting. And actually, I think it, it's thrown a few people. There's some people that got my earlier stuff that really didn't get this new record. And that's interesting as well. I think, well, I kind of want to push my audience and, and see whether they like things rather than just churning out the same old rubbish all the time. So I think it's a great record and I, I, I'm really proud of it. Uh, look, I uh, say, I think you're hard on yourself too, but uh, the rubbish, I don't think you've ever done on rubbish. It's, it's all really good. But tell me something, even the songwriting process, um, you know, do you find that maybe, uh, and we're all human, we all have it, but if there's something kind of turbulent going on in your life or there was any that, uh, that the creative juice for writing it maybe even becomes more so than if things are sort of quiet and everything's really good, is there a certain time or, or a thing that affects how songs uh, appear or... You know, is it inspiration just from something around you or can there be a chain of events that just you really have to get writing it and say, that's something I have to write about? How, how does it work for you? I think there's so many different things that can influence you as a songwriter. And I think possibly as a person, I'm outwardly positive and I try to be a positive thinker. But actually, kind of internally, I've always had this sort of melancholic side. And even when I write kind of high-tempo, pumping guitar riffs, I think they're... I almost can't get through a song without throwing in a, a sort of minor chord and, and sort of taking people into that melancholic sort of environment. And so, you know, I've written songs about so many different things. And you can write songs from a sort of third-person narrative where you adopt the role of something. And I kind of did that on a few of the songs on the new record. And although when it came out, a lot of the sort of PR around it was, you know, everyone always says this actually about their, their new albums, their most personal record yet. But actually, I think I've written possibly more personal records in the past. But I don't think they're as good. And so I think that there's the songs on the new album that... Um, 
are deeply personal. Angel of Death is a is a it's a very personal song with very kind of meaningful lyrics to me. But then there's just some all out balls to the wall rock tunes that you know that it, you know you sing songs about drinking and and kind of being up to no good. And I think that there's a there's space for that as well. And so I, you know I think. Uh, <laughs> One of the worst things, actually, from my perspective, is I get inspired by new uh, guitars. So when I buy new guitars, it tends to churn out a load of new songs. So, um, yeah, I bought some some uh, some guitars just before lockdown. So maybe that's what inspired the songwriting on the on the new record. Well, I suppose it's like is everything else. If it inspires, it's no bad thing. As as it's uh, is actually is actually good. Um, you know, it's. Um, it's great to see people yourself out there and, and creating great music out there, playing live. And when we talk about the playing live, uh, uh, what's happening at the minute for, for, for Jack J? Are you playing in the UK at the minute? Are you going to be further afield? Or what's the plan tour-wise? Yeah, so I'm heading out on a tour which starts uh, 5th of October at a place called The Railway in Winchester. And then... Uh, it takes in, I think, 12 dates, so we're going all over the place. Milton Keynes, Edinburgh, uh, Blackpool, where else am I going? St. Austell, Swansea. Um, and the, the aim with the tour, actually, was uh, whenever you put a tour out, you always get people kind of criticising it, going, you're not coming to, my, <laughs> coming to my town. So most of my tours over the last five years, I've always gone to the same places. So I've always played, I've always had a show in Bristol. Uh, not Bristol, sorry, um, Bedford. And I've always had a show in London. I've always played, you know, there's certain venues that I've always returned to. And the idea with the new tour was to go to places I ain't played before. And so, um, obviously, uh, there's a risk with that because you're trying to play in places where you've, you haven't built up a fan base. But I think that's a, a risk worth taking. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing in Bristol. Actually, we're playing at a place called the Thunderbolt, which... Is a venue I, I went to years ago uh, where Mark Ford from the Black Crows, guitarist of the Black Crows, was playing this sort of like secret gig and I really enjoyed that night. It must be 10 years ago now and I thought, do you know what, I'd really like to return there and, and play at that venue again. So, um, yeah, it's quite exciting. Um, I've got a new band with me on the tour as well, which is really cool. I've not had a, a sort of new band for three or four years. Uh, there's a lady called uh, Charlie Rachel Cowd coming out, and she's playing bass. And then Phil Wilson on drums, who Phil's played with loads of people like Lawrence Jones and Els Bailey and people. So it, that's exciting as well. So play some new material, which would be interesting as well. That sounds very exciting, and certainly I, uh, I'm sure there'll be many people looking forward to seeing you live. And you know, especially with the COVID, where you know live music disappeared off the face of the earth, and like people really missed it. The artists missed performing, the fans missed hearing it. And I think maybe we all have a bit of a realisation is you can't take on for granted anymore. So folks, you know, if 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 Jack J is playing your area, get out and support him, buy the tickets, because live music, you know, if you if you don't support live music, that's the only that's the income stream the artists have to to keep doing this. And like everyone else, they have to live, they have their bills to pay. So you know, I'd ask anyone, whether it's whether it's Jack J. Hush or whoever it is, go out and support the artist gigging because they are pouring so much of themselves into it. And and music is, you know, and I think anyone listening would agree, when you go to a gig, you never leave sad. 
you've went out, you've rocked, you've rolled, you've listened to some great music, and invariably you're chatting with your friends on the way out, but what a great gig it was. And look, and, and that to me, like with all the stuff that's happening in the world, with threats of war, with, with food scarcity, with God knows what, climate change, whatever, we need something positive. We need something that lifts it up. And there's nothing to do it better than music. There's nothing to do it better than going to a live gig. And, you know, that if, if anything, just, uh, you know, people just go out and support artists and hear some great music. And, you know, it brings me the point too. I want to thank you so much, you know, Jack, for doing this interview because I know you're a busy guy. You have lots of things to do. And it's our pleasure to have you on the show. It's our pleasure to play your music because we're all part of this. We're all a team. And, uh, you know, music, music's so important, I think, and, and we've got to all keep on doing it. Do you know what, man? I think as well, over the lockdown period, it, it sort of made me appreciate people like yourself who give me a platform to talk and to talk about a lot of the things that I get a lot of um, excitement about. And hopefully... You know, my music cheers people up and puts smiles on people's faces because I think that's what it's all about, really. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, as I say, musicians are like rock and roll doctors. They're out there to take away some of the the daily humdrum, maybe the sorrow, the pain, and, and whenever they go out, they prescribe happiness because they get people out to maybe have a drink or two and have a dance, jump around and be happy because happiness is the most precious commodity that we have in this world and music certainly makes you happy. And with that, I want to say thanks again so much, my friend. Cheers, man. Thank you very much.
Yeah, big, big thank you to Jack for taking the time to speak with us. It's always such a, a pleasure when artists that have such busy schedules take the time to talk with us here on the show. And we really appreciate that. Now, in the interview mix, well, we had three tracks. The first one was called Call of the Wild. Second one, Halo. And finally, Gunslinger. And all above tracks are taken from an album, The Hammer Falls, which came out earlier this year. And again, thanks very much for doing that, Jack. Really appreciate it. Now, we keep it moving. This is Mickey Jupp, and he is learning to swim. Good man, Mickey. Mickey Jupp and Learn to Swim and that's from a new album he's out called Up Snakes and Down Lathers. Oh, I thought it was the other way around but anyway, maybe you can play it that way. Uh, anyway, that was Mickey Jupp and Learn to Swim. Now we're at the point of doing the fans' favour and this week is the choice of Louise Rossi from London, UK. And she has picked tracks from Joe Bonamassa, 
Dory Honey and ACDC. So without further ado, let's have a listen to the fans' favour, as chosen by Louise Rossi from London, UK. <laughs>
Yeah, thanks so much for that, Louise. Really appreciate your picking. And uh, I couldn't have picked much better myself. Really enjoyed that. And thanks again for taking the time to contact us here. It's so appreciated. Now we keep it rolling because there's lots more stuff to get through. Next up, we have The Raids. And this one's called Riva Diva. from an album they released back in 2016 called Pierced Arrow and I really like that track I haven't heard it in a while but I certainly enjoyed playing it and I said it's time to put it up on the turntable again now next up we have Vandenberg and uh, well I'll tell you before we do this 
the next three songs have a kind of a train theme. So maybe I'll just introduce the three to you and let them play in succession. I think that's the way to do it. So first of all, we have Vandenberg and Freight Train. And that come from an album called 2020. And it came out in 2020. Next up, we have Alice Cooper and A Runaway Train. And that's taken from Welcome to My Nightmare, which came out back in 2011. And then finally of the three, with the train theme, is ACDC and Rock and Roll Train. And that come from the Black Ice album. I think that came out circa 2008. So let's take the train in all its various shapes and form. The Freight Train, the Runaway Train and the Rock and Roll Train. But the one good thing is it's all great rock and roll. So let's push the button and enjoy some great music. Ignoring now 
Yeah, certainly enjoyed bringing those three to you. That was, you know, freight train from Vandenberg, runaway, runaway train from Alice Cooper, and rock and roll train from ACDC. Mind you, we're still not really off the train because uh, we have Leslie West on Mountain, and this one's called Nantucket Sleigh Ride. So we're on a sleigh, we're not on the train, we're on a sleigh. Uh, so enjoy.
Yeah, that was Leslie Western Mountain, and that track come from an album called The Man on the Mountains, which came out in 2013. And of course, the track was called Nan Took It Sleigh Ride. Now, next up, this is another band actually playing uh, the festival, the Blues Bones. Well, we're starting on the on the roll of them now on the show. The Blues Bones and, uh, well, not, sorry, I correct myself. The Blues Bones are not playing the festival, but two members of the band are. And uh, this is a track from an album released back in 2015 called Saved by the Blues. And this one's called Devil's Braid.
I'm gonna paint a little picture for you. Imagine on your walk home, you stop at a bar to grab a drink. And you notice this couple around in the corner. And it looks like they're having a real intense conversation. He's got about ten shot glasses in front of him. And they're all empty. And she's got some kind of a drink with an umbrella in it. And she keeps talking. You can see her mouth moving an awful lot, but it doesn't seem like he's listening to anything she's saying. He's got that beat down look staring at the bottom of his glass. And you watched for a few minutes. And then you see him taking a deep breath. And you know he's about to say something to her. He's about to say something to her like he's been wanting to say him for an awfully, awfully, awfully long time. So you turn fully around and you see to get a good view of what's gonna go on. And just as the room goes quiet, this is what you will hear him say to her. Well, no soul on earth can love you. Well, no man can satisfy. Only hell's on fire could ever warm you. You should be the devil's bride. You should be the devil's bride 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 Yeah, I enjoyed that. Now, next up, this is definitely someone that uh, playing the blues at the Harvest Blues Festival. This is Arthur Mendes, and this is a track from his Fading Away album that came out in 2020. And this one's called Northeast. <laughs>
Yep, that was Arthur Mendes in Northeast, and you know, Monaghan is known as the northeastern part of Ireland, so it was kind of appropriate to play that track for you. Uh, again, you know, when people see this guy in Monaghan, they're going to be blown away by him. Now, next up, this is a regular to the blue scene, I'm on. This is Gronje Duffy, and this is a track from a Lambs released in 2020. In fact, it's the title track, and it's called Voodoo Blues. I enjoyed that. In fact, that's a fine, fine album. That came out in 2020, Gronje Duffy and Voodoo Blues. Now, here's somebody else, a larger-than-life character, and he is playing on the Saturday night, folks, at the Harvest Blues Festival in Mon, and he's going to blow the roof right off the place. This is Johnny Gallagher and the Boxy Band and 2020 Vision. Johnny, it's all yours. <laughs> Wanna take a ride with me? I'm gonna get out of here, go south to the water. I 
Yeah, what a powerful character. What great music. And you, if you are in Monaghan and you're at the Harvest Blues Festival, Saturday night, Johnny Gallagher is going to take to the stage. It's going to be special. Now, here's somebody else that's rather special too. And they're also going to be playing the Harvest Blues. This is the Davy K Project. And this is a track from their lockdown album that came out in 2019. And this one's called Whiskey Road.
My daddy was the greatest, a legend unsurpassed. My brother, he's in prison since the fall of 45. They caught him on the mountain, they're not taking me alive. The moon is low, my spirit's high, and with this heavy load. Yeah, Davy Carrigan is a very consummate performer and, uh, you know, lockdown albums, a fine, fine album, world-class songs on it. And that's another example of it. That's the Davy K Project on Whiskey Road. And as I say, you can catch them again at this year's Harvest Blues Festival. And that's on between September the 2nd and 4th. In fact, there might even be Survivor's Night on the 5th if you're still there. So I would stay on if I were you. Now, here's somebody else too. She's incredible. She has such a talent. This is Clara Rose and this is a track from the Offering album that came out in 2018 and this one's called Ball and Chain.
Boy, you got me wrapped up in that old ball and chain. Yeah, what a voice, what presence, what character. Clara Rose, I mean, what else can you say about her? She's just basically incredible. And she'll also be appearing at the Harvest Blues Festival. And again, miss her at your peril. She's just world class. Now, next up, well, this guy's playing it as well. This is Dom Martin, and this is a track from his Savage Life album. This one's called 12 Gauge. <laughs> Very few can match Dom when he's rocking. He's just incredible. And that's a, a track from his new album, A Savage Life. And it was called 12 Gage. And you can catch Dom on the Sunday night of the Harvest Blues Festival as he rocks his heart out uh, in Monaghan. Do not miss him if you're in the vicinity. Now, if you're also a fan of Bob Dylan, well, you'll get a taste of that too because these guys are playing the festival. This is Villiers and the Villains. And this is a track from the album called Music Confounds the Machines. And this is Meat for the Dogs.
was um, Villiers and the Villains and Meat for the Dogs and that's taken from an album called Music Confounds the Machines an absolutely fantastic album I highly recommend you have a listen to it now here's guys that have been regulars to the Harvest Blues Festival over many many years this is Crow Black Chicken and this is a track from an album that was released back in 2016 called Pariah Brothers and this one's called Jonestown Yeah. 
track and I mean I think that's a reference to the Reverend Jim Jones you remember the guy that had the people in the compound and I think a lot of people unfortunately died so I think there's a reference to that on it anyhow it's a damn fine track that's Crow Black Chicken and Jonestown and that's taken from an album called Pariah Brothers which came out in 2016 now next up well band of friends I mean look they're just there's no word to describe how good this band is live and band of friends will be bringing proceedings to a close at the Harvest Blues Festival on the Sunday night this is a track uh, from an album they released in 2021 called Spotlight on the G-Man and this one's called Heaven's Gate <laughs>
to heaven with money on the plate. Can't ride some Peter when you get to heaven's gate. Right now you wonder how crazy things can be. Really like that song, really enjoyed it. That's Heaven's Gate, and that's a track from a Band of Friends album called Spotlight on the G Man, come out in 2021. Now we're up at the point of the show where we have the producers pick, and Graham has picked two classic tracks. The first one is uh, Chimara and The Year of the Snake, and then Antisect and Black. So without further ado, let's hear the producers pick choices as chosen by our show producer, Graham Hilling.
Thank you so much for those cracking selections. Really, really enjoyed them. And looking forward to seeing what you you bring to us each and every week. Thanks so much. Now, here's something else. We're still on the Harvest Blues Festival trail. There's so many great artists playing it this year. And next up, we have Ronan Gallagher, another Gallagher. And um, this is a track from his Time Waits for No One album that came out in 2021. And this one's called Argumental Man. Jesus. 
Yeah, I mean, I've said this to Roland, there's certainly a strong Kinks influence there, and that's none the worse for it. That's a great track. That's Argumental Man, and that's taken from his album called Time Waits for Known. Now, next up, another local man, Brian Reynolds, and this is something that Brian released earlier in the year. Beautiful, beautiful song with such great sentiment in it. This is Brian Reynolds and War Crime. Ocean water shimmer as far as the eye can see. Sun soaked sandy beaches are a heaven for you and me. But what's that I see now? Farther out on yon horizon, ragged boat of refugees. Just after capsizing War crimes Isn't all war a crime War crimes Many more will endeavor to do the best they can. While there are others in great power who will signal the green light for their planes to bomb towns and cities in the dead of the night. War crimes Isn't all war a crime War crimes Isn't all war a crime For the war For him it's just a living Keeps many hungry wolves From a store While men of power are out to lunch Strike deals that feed the war machine Shareholders Toast each other As their stocks Climb high on Wall Street War crimes Isn't all war crimes 
isn't all war a crime? Isn't all war a crime? Yeah, I mean... What can you say about that song? It it is very touching, and uh, you know when when Brain released it, uh, you know it, none of this other stuff was happening in Europe at the minute, so it's very apt that it's there, and it's very apt that we play it. Um, and uh, again, your know, Brain will be playing the festival in the Acoustic Room. Really looking forward to seeing them. Do not miss the Acoustic Room, folks, because there'll be one or two surprises from some pretty high-profile fo- people that are going to grace it. So you do not want to miss that. Keep an eye out for it. Now, next up, well, actually, we talked about Band of Friends finishing this, the festival off. This person will actually kick it off. This is Joe Harmon, and this is a single called Sideways. <laughs> Time will 
take them away the consummate artist she is and how beautifully that's put together that was joe Harmon and sideways and that came out as a single in 2019 and again she will kick proceedings off on the main stage on the friday night um and i'm looking really looking forward to it now next up a bit of rory this is from his blueprint album that came out in 1973 and this is rory walk on hot coals <laughs> Sleep on a better day. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, Rory rocks as only he can, and that's another classic song. That's Walk on Hot Coals from the Blueprint album that came out in 1973 my good god is that long ago now here's someone not playing that long and creating some wave this is chris stone kingfish ingram and this is from an album released in 2021 called 662 and this one's called long distance woman
yeah, that is tasty, tasty blues rock at its very best. That's Crystal and Kingfish Ingram and Long Distance Woman. Really enjoy playing that for you. Now, we're going to have a bit of southern rock. Here is Hogjaw, and this one's called Way Down Yonder.
Yeah, that's really prime Southern rock. And that was the title track of an album they released back in 2017 called Way Down Yonder. Now, we're going to keep it moving. And this time we're bringing Stephen Stills in. And this is uh, from 1973. And this one's called Down the Road. Dark and smoking, the smell of death before me. Think I'll go down, Mama. Go on down the road, see what's going on. Down the road. Lots of friends and children laying in the grass. Who can makes me crazy? Believe I'm gonna have to pass. Think I'm going Mama, go on down the road. See what's going on down the road. But then you find the cocaine. Start to move in fast. Trip, stumble, fall, freeze up. Hope you're gonna last. Think I'm Really, really enjoyed that. That was Stephen Stills and Down the Road. And uh, it still stands the test of time. Really, really good. Now, we have a band from Liverpool that really... I met these guys last year. Really impressed with them. You know, they're really doing so well. This is the Jokers. And this is their brand new single. And it is called Water on Fire. <laughs> 
Take it away, guys.
Yeah, that's a fine rocking tune and I'm delighted to be playing it here on the show and giving the guys some support. But they're doing very well. They're doing really, really well. Got a new album deal. All is good. They're playing all over the place and I see nothing but good times for these guys. That's the brand new single from the Jokers and that was called Water on Fire. Now we're almost down to the last song but of course, as usual, we have a number of people to thank. And we have to go right back, right back to the Torn Up interview because Jack J. Hutchison was the man and uh, he told us how he got to where he is now and we really thank him so much for taking the time to speak with us. It really was so, so appreciated. And then we also have to thank Louise Rossi from London because she was this week's fans' favourite guest and she had tracks from Joe Bonamassa, Dorothy Honey and ACDC and really, really, really appreciated our choice. And then, of course, we have Graham, our producer, and Graham picked two classic tracks as well. Really enjoyed listening to them and, again, looking forward to next week already. Of course, we have to remember Richard Lahomadu and everybody at Making a Scene magazine. What a um, what an amazing contribution these people have made to the success of this show. It's literally listened to all over the world. And the numbers that are coming out are amazing. Number three in the global charts. I mean, that's just fairy tale stuff. And we thank everybody involved. Everyone that has worked to help us, you know, get the show out there and reach out to as many people as, as possible. It's so appreciated. And of course, we cannot forget the amazing people here at Radio Home of Rock. I mean, these people are just incredible. They have so much passion and so much ability that whenever you do something like this, it it just uh, it's just your dream coming through every single day so we really thank them we also thank you the listener because if you weren't listening in there wouldn't be a show it's that simple and you're listening in in ever increasing numbers and we want to thank you so much for doing that and um, just keep on doing it we're getting very close to our third anniversary we want everybody to help us out here because when we put the third anniversary show out, we want it to be number one in the world. We're very close. We're at number three. Let's kick it on up to the next stage. Let's make turn it up the number one show on the planet as regards rock shows. That would be an achievement and a half. But I believe we can do it. We work together and we just give that extra push. Anything is possible. So with that said, it's over for another week. I'm sad, but I'm looking forward to next week already. So look after each other, be good to each other, and remember, if you hear music that touches your heart, what do you do? You know what you got to do. You turn it up, and we'll do it all over again next week, same time, same place. Get ready to keep on rocking here on Turn It Up. See you next week. And now we finish, we finish the show with a very special tune because this man is a legend. He's an Irish blues, funk, rock legend. We're going to play out with another guest at the Harvest Blues Festival. He's going to be the headline act on the Friday night and Monaghan Town is going to rock. This is the incredible, the legend that is Rob Strong and this is a live track from his 2008 album. This is the title track. This is Rob and the classic Hollywood Nights. See you next week.
Repeat after me. 